Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Welcome, everyone, to the 16th episode of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. So my partner in crime, Matt, is not feeling uh, great today. He's feeling a little under the weather, so um, it is just going to be me today. So I uh, hope Matt gets back quickly and he's back for next week's episode. Um, so as always, just want to take the first few minutes to recap the performance uh, for the month and the year of the major indexes that we track. And these numbers are as of the market close on October 9th, and the data is from StockCharts.com. S&P 500 index is down 1.93% for the month of October and up 16.46% for the year. The Dow Jones is down a little over 2% for the month and up 15.08% for the year. The NASDAQ Composite Index is down 1.20% for the month and up 19.12% for the year. The IWM ETF that tracks the Russell 2000 Index is down 2.78% for the month and up 10.94% for the year. The International Index X United States is down 1.98% for the month and up 8.49% for the year. The three-month Treasury yield currently sitting at 1.69%, the two-year Treasury at 1.47%, and the 10-year Treasury is sitting at 1.59%. So I'm recording this podcast on Friday morning, and again, these numbers were as of the market closed on October 9th, that was Wednesday. So uh, yesterday on Thursday, we had a pretty good day, up just about six or seven tenths of a percent on the markets, and currently uh, markets are higher this morning by more than one percent based on positive news coming out of trade talks between the U.S. and China. So the markets have continued to yo-yo back and forth on every bit of the China trade news. Um, Earlier this week, uh, we had markets that were down, and late last week, markets that were down on negative news coming out of trade talks. But um, as we have seen in the past, uh, that can change very quickly, which uh, it has. So um, again, uh, my personal belief uh, is that President Trump wants to get a deal done with China before he goes on the campaign trail, so he has something to uh, campaign on. So um, I'm optimistic that some sort of patch-up deal will get done or short-term deal, um, you know, if anything at all. So earnings season kicks off uh, with Citibank uh, reported earnings this morning. I haven't gotten to that report yet, but uh, Citi is higher uh, by about 2% as we speak. Um, So I'm assuming the report was good and the rest of the major banks are set to report early next week. Um, So after that, we'll get into a lot of the larger companies, as we had said on the podcast uh, the past couple episodes that, you know, earnings season was right around the corner and now it's just getting started. So uh, we'll have some updates for you all with that uh, over the next couple of weeks. 
So moving on to um, some articles that I thought was interesting. So the major news um, coming out of the world of finance last week was that um, a bunch of these online brokerage firms have cut their trading commissions and trading costs uh, to zero. Um, so I found an interesting article by Jason Zweig from the Wall Street Journal. I've uh, mentioned a bunch of Jason's work before. And this article was titled, Your Stock Trades Go Free, But Your Cash Is Still in Chains. Um, so like I mentioned, um, online brokers, including TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, Charles Schwab, and just recently Fidelity, cut their trading commissions to zero for stocks and ETFs and some of them for options as well. And initially, this sounds a appealing on, on that news for investors. And I think this is a good thing, lowering costs. Um, however, you know, I expect these firms to make up that lost revenue somewhere else. Um, and for example, um, lowering their money market rates uh, that they pay to their investors, which Jason gets into in this article. Um, so again, while I think it's a good thing that um, you know, costs are continuing to come down. That's meeting uh, competition is healthy. So I think that's good for any industry. Um, but I think that they're going to make this revenue up somewhere else. So just be careful when you hear everything's getting cheaper because it might not necessarily be the case. And this article does a good job of explaining that. So um, Jason starts by saying Charles Schwab Corp took the bro shook the brokerage industry this week when it said that it would cut commissions to zero on October 7th, Schwab's move, which followed a similar cut by Interactive Brokers Group, has already been matched by rivals TD Ameritrade Holding Corp and E-Trade Financial Corp, uh, and is likely to be copied by other big brokers. And we just saw yesterday on Thursday, October 10th, that uh, Fidelity also cut its trading uh, fees to zero. Um, he goes on to say, you no longer pay a few bucks in commissions to buy or sell a security at these firms, but Schwab and other brokerage firms are in the business to make money, and the only way they often do that is by milking clients' cash. When you trade for free, you still pay at a different toll booth. So um, skipping a couple of paragraphs, uh, Jason says that Schwab can offer such cheap options partly because of how it handles investors' cash. The firm automatically sweeps idle cash not into money market mutual funds or other assets that could yield about 2% at today's rates, but its own bank, which pays peanuts. As is typical in the brokerage business, Schwab puts clients' uninvested cash, say a dividend or interest payment from a bond uh, or a dividend from a mutual fund or a dividend from a stock, into what's called a sweep account. It's your money, but how much it earns isn't always up to you. So Schwab pushed $11.8 billion out of higher-yielding money market funds into deposits at its own bank in the first half of 2019, according to the company. As of June 30th, deposits at Schwab's bank totaled $208 billion. This week, clients were earning between 0.12% and 0.55% on those balances. So if you think about this, you know, Schwab is going to make this uh, this money back in the in, in how they handle your cash. 
Um, and this is what I originally thought was going to happen. So um, instead of having your cash sit at a money market fund in your investment account, Schwab is actually going to take that cash and put it in their bank. They're going to pay you, like the article just previously said, somewhere between 0.12% and 0.55% on those balances. And then they're going to go ahead and lend it at, say, a 2% rate to somebody else. So they're making the difference on that. Um, so, you know, that's how these companies, I believe, are going to make up the lost revenue from trading commissions is, you know, they're going to take a larger cut of um, that interest rate that people are earning on their cash balances in the investment accounts. So Jason says that Schwab isn't alone. Across the brokerage industry, most sweep accounts pay measly rates, sometimes as little as 0.05% on a $100,000 balance. So that's pretty low. Um, you know, just for everyone out there, just make sure you understand how your money market balance works um, with your investment advisor or your brokerage platform. Um, because a lot of times, you know, people assume that their money is in a money market fund and they think it's earning, you know, 1.5 or 2%. And in reality, it might be earning as less as, or as little as 0.05%. Um, so that's really, really small, especially on a $100,000 balance like uh, Jason uses as an example in this article. So um, last thing I wanted to note, uh, Jason says, when clients invest in Schwab Intelligent Portfolios, which is uh, Schwab's robo-advisory service um, that offers pre-selected back basket of ETFs, between 6 and 30% of that money goes into cash. So, you know, based if you are investing in the Schwab Intelligent intelligent portfolios uh, based on you know how the robo advisory puts your money to work there could be anywhere between six and thirty percent of your entire account that's only earning about like he said earlier in the article 0.12 percent 2.55 percent on that money um, so again not saying that this is a horrible thing but I think people just need to be aware that you know when they think that trading commissions and trading is free now, um, that they're not getting hit in another area. And I think people just need to pay attention to um, the money market balances or the cash accounts that they have in their investment accounts um, just to understand, you know, if if they're getting charged higher in another area. Um, so just wanted to point that out for people because, um, you know, some people might not understand that while uh, trading commissions are lower, um, you know, these firms are going to be making it up somewhere else. So I was listening to another podcast this week. It was actually Michael Kitsey's podcast, um, his financial advisor success podcast. And he had um, a gentleman on that was the developer of a software called Holista Plan. Um, and Holista Plan um, recently won the XY Planning Network FinTech competition with a new tax planning software that digitally reads tax returns um, via PDFs. So it takes this and it identifies the planning opportunities and tax observations automatically. So think about this. This is a pretty cool piece of software that advisors uh, will have access to here shortly in the future where you can take a tax return, upload the PDF, 
and it'll actively via um, artificial intelligence and software coding, it'll automatically read through the tax return and um, identify planning opportunities uh, to help save clients money or, um, you know, decrease their their tax bill for the year or, you know, say, hey, I think a Roth conversion can help, um, you know, save some money in retirement in regards to taxes. Um, so this is a pretty cool software that I thought was very intriguing um, just because it does take a long time to read um, somebody's tax return and make active recommendations that, um, you know, a piece of software like this could save people a lot of time. Um, so this is just recently coming out. And to my understanding, he, uh, the developer of this, I forget his name, he wants to make this possible not only with tax documents, but with estate planning documents like trusts and life insurance documents like um, a life insurance statement can read the PDF will read it and then make active recommendations uh, based on that client's current life insurance policy. So the way that our industry is going is definitely more technology driven. um, And I think it's going to provide a whole lot of more planning opportunities for advisors to use with their clients, which is good for all of our clients. So um, we're very excited about um, you know this type of software coming online, and and I anticipate or I anticipate us um, at least trying this holistic plan software out um, because you know sometimes it is very very difficult for clients to understand their own tax return. So um, making it more simple to understand and putting it in English uh, is always a good thing. So I just thought that that was a pretty cool software. So check out holistic plan um, if you're interested in in stuff like that. So moving on to the financial planning topic of the week, Um, this comes from an article by Kathleen Alkins on CNBC, um, who references data from a fidelity study. So it wasn't completely a CNBC article, which um, Matt and I have given our opinion on that in the past, but I just liked it because it came from uh, data um, from a fidelity study. So Um, The article is called, Here's How Much Money Americans in Their 50s Have in Their 401Ks, which is uh, pretty self-explanatory, so we can just jump right into it. And uh, shout out to Aaron Kramer in our office for bringing this article to my attention. Uh, We were on our way to a client meeting uh, earlier this week, and Aaron just brought this article up, so thank you for bringing that up, Aaron. Um. So jumping right into it, um, Kathleen uh, starts the article by saying, by age 50, retirement plan provider Fidelity recommends having at least six times your salary in savings in order to retire comfortably at age 67. By age 55, it recommends having seven times your salary. So I think that this is um, a, a really good starting point for a lot of people, but I don't believe it's you know, the most accurate way to look at things. Um, because to me, it's all about how much money someone's going to spend in retirement. Um, so, but I do think this is, this is good and I like it because it gives people a goal with checks and balances along the way to keep you on track. Um, so, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do that, but just having a strategy to keep yourself in check, to make sure you're on track for your goals is a good thing. Um, I personally believe that a better way to do it is to have, you know, say X number of dollars in your 401k and multiply that times, say, 5% withdrawal rate and see if you think you could live off of that every year in retirement. 
So the industry standard, depending on which advisor you talk to, um, advisors are usually comfortable sending clients four to five percent of their account balances every year in the form of income to help clients uh, supplement their retirement income. And, you know, if they have pensions or Social Security income, um, this is in addition to that. So this would be taking four or five percent from an IRA or a 401k. Uh, in, a, in addition to any other form of income that you will receive in retirement. Um, so an example of this is taking a $500,000 401k balance and multiplying it times 5%, which gives you $25,000. So I think you can need to ask the question, you know, hey, can I live off of $25,000 um, combined with any other form of income you're going to be receiving in retirement? So I think that's kind of a good goal to have and you can kind of, you know, back into how much you would have to save every year combined with, um, you know, X percentage market return annualized. Um, And I think that's a better way to go about it. But I really like um, that, you know, Fidelity is just pointing out a strategy to follow for people to kind of reach their goals in retirement. Um, So moving on, um, as of the first quarter of 2019, those between 50 and 59 years old with a 401k had an average balance of $174,100 and were contributing 10.1% of their paycheck. Um, So then the article breaks the average 401k balance down by age. Um, So from ages 20 to 29, the average balance is just under 12,000. From ages 30 to 39, the balance is just under 43,000. From 40 to 49, the average balance is just under 103,000. Ages 50 to 59, like I just said, was 174,100. And ages 60 to 69, the average balance was about $195,500. So I think that there's definitely room for improvement with this. Um, I know that everyone has stuff going on in their life and things come up life happens. I get that. Um, But I definitely think there needs to be a higher emphasis on, you know, saving for retirement, um, especially in your 401ks when you're getting a match by an employer. Um, So the next next chart in this article um, shows the average contribution rate by age in the 401k. Um, So again, from ages 20 to 29, the average contribution rate is 7%. Ages 30 to 39, contribution rate only 7.8%. 40 to 49, 8.5% contribution rate. 50 to 59, 10.1% contribution rate. And 60 to 69, 11.2% contribution rate. So um, I just wanted to share those stats with everybody and just, um, you know, maybe this is a good time or a timely article to have everyone go in and check their 401k balances and, you know, see what their contribution rate is and say, Hey, is it time for me to bump up, um, bump up my contribution rate? And I know Matt and I have talked about this in the past. Um, but it's a really good practice that every year you increase your 401k contribution. Um, So there's the plus one strategy that we've talked about on the podcast before where that automatically every year, say on January 1 or, you know, June 1, that you go in and you um, increase your 401k contribution by 1% per year. Um, So that's a good way to do it. Um, My answer when people ask me, hey, Mark, how much should I be contributing to my 401k every year? 
And my answer usually is you should be contributing as much as you can without straining yourself day to day on a financial uh, basis. So, um, you know, I don't want people to be just living from paycheck to paycheck or not enjoying life and doing things with their friends and family. So um, I think that people just need to sit down and say, hey, you know, is, do I have money that's just going into my checking account or going into my savings account and not earning anything right now? And I think if people are in that situation, then now could be a good time to increase your 401k contribution. Um, and, you know, that's if you have an emergency savings account already at what you need it to be. Um, you're paying on your debt or you're paying off your debt at a sustainable rate. Um, then I think it's definitely a good practice to, to go in and look at the 401k and see if there's any room for improvement there. Um, so that was a good article. So thanks again, Aaron, for bringing that to our attention. Um, we do have a couple other art or excuse me, questions from Amy. Um, but I want to wait until Matt is back to answer those just so you get both of our opinions since, um, sometimes we have different takes on, uh, different questions that listeners, uh, pose to us. Um, so again, uh, we're just, uh, closing out the week here on Friday morning. Um, as of right now, the markets give you a quick market update. Uh, the S&P 500 is up over a percent and a half right now on, again, um, positive uh, trade news um, with um, President Trump inviting uh, the vice premier from China to the White House today to try to hammer out a trade deal. Um, so markets are reacting good to that. Um, so we'll keep our eye on that. And again, earnings season kicks off next week. So um, start paying attention to, uh, to that because that uh, is what moves markets in this point in the year. So um, I don't think I really have anything other than that. So um, we'll kind of close it down here and um, just want to thank all of you for listening to the 16th episode of the Independent Advisors podcast. Hopefully everyone has a good weekend and hopefully we can enjoy a little more nicer weather here for the next couple of weeks before uh, at least us in Ohio, and I know people out east uh, start experiencing some colder weather. Um, so have a good weekend, and we will be back next Thursday for the 17th episode of the Independent Advisors Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors Podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. And also check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. Here you'll find links to every episode of The Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words, questions, and topics in the subject line to mark at jessupwealthmanagement.com, and we'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. 
Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.